joy that's growing deep inside of me. And every time I see you, all your goodness shines true. I can feel this God song rising up in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. So uh, I just have something to say. So this week, um, it was actually on Wednesday, I lost part of my vision and then started getting a headache. So I went to emergency with my mom um, to check out what it was because it could have possibly been very serious. And I was really, really nervous going into emergency because I don't think I've ever been in before and I was really scared about my eyes. Um, so my mom told me that we weren't going to go in until um, God told me something to ease my anxiety. Um, or just about my eyes. So what he told me was he was my vision, and that's what I was afraid of losing was he, my vision. He was my vision, and so he would ta deal with any fears or any agreements I had made with fear or um, lies about my eyes, that I was going to lose my vision, that there was something wrong with my eyes. Um, he was my vision, so he would deal with that as well. He also, he told me, or as he was speaking to me, he told my anxiety to go, and I felt it completely go, and I was completely relaxed going in, and when I went into emergency, my eyes were almost better already. He said there was nothing wrong with my eyes, and I went to the optometrist the next day, and she said it was probably just a migraine, so my eyes were completely fine. Yeah. And what God told me from that, like what he showed me from that, was anything that I was fighting for or looking for, he was everything. So I was scared of losing my vision. He was my vision. I was fighting anxiety. He was peace. So, yeah.
Failing. 
like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me.
unto you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Let us become 
the Holy Spirit's presence so strong here. I just feel he said just open up <laughs> surrender to my goodness even if you don't know what you're struggling just open up and he just wants to come and just pour in his goodness just deliver you from whatever just like what Kristen shared she just opened up and, and God just took the anxiety away whatever it is you're struggling with just open, just surrender to him in this moment you just keep going Kristen
glory. Let us become more aware. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Hallelujah. Lord, we just, we just thank you, God, that for your presence, for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is here right now. And Lord, we just, we just lift our hands in worship and we lift our hands in surrender to you right now. That God, that if there be anything, if there be anything that's in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, anything that is causing us discouragement or defeat, it's causing us fear, it's causing us anxiety. It's besetting us. It's getting its upper hand over us. We just, we just, with surrender today, we ask Holy Spirit that as we give it to you, we lay it, we lay it before your feet, so to speak, that God, we, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will, just, you will just come in and you will do a work in our lives, do a miraculous work in our lives, a, a, a work of transformation. We release these things to you. We give these things to you, Lord, knowing that, God, that you are at work on our behalf. We, we come against anxiety. We come against fear. We come against discouragement. We come against addictions. We come against unforgiveness. We come against bitterness. We come against all the things, Lord, that, because you know our struggles. You know our struggles. You know our struggles, but you also, we also know, Lord, that you do not want us to be the same as we come to you. But that God, that you want to renovate our lives. You want to transform us from glory to glory to glory. So that because we are going to share in your glory. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would do a work in our lives. Do a work in this church. Do a work in each and every heart. And may everyone that is here today 
I pray this morning, Lord, that, that they will, if they leave this place today, that they will know, that they will have sensed, they will have experienced the goodness of our God. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team, for just leading us into the presence of the Lord. Just want to welcome everyone. You folks can take a seat if you like. If you're still worshiping, that's great. But just want to, um, to extend a welcome to everyone that's here today. And I know we have some new faces here today. And I'm trusting that uh, you were uh, welcomed when you came to the door this morning. And uh, if you haven't already, if you're new here this morning, you're a first-time uh, guest at our church, uh, and if you haven't got one already, I hope that you did receive a welcome card. It's just a way for us to welcome you and to just uh, for you to let us know that you, are, that you are here. And just as a way for us to be able to connect with you uh, down, the, down the road. And um, of course, for those who are first time uh, guests at our church this morning, uh, uh, there is a, a gift for each person that has come. And uh, if you, and of course, so you can see our one of our greeters following the service, and they'll be sure to get that uh, to you. Amen. Just a few announcements. Not going to be labor the announcements. So how many got a trusty or handy dandy? I guess the better way to put it, the handy dandy bulletin this morning. Just going to highlight a couple of things this morning from the bulletin. We're going to then we're going to move to our offering, and uh, then we have. Uh, uh, Leanne Welk is with, with us this morning from Offerings, and, and uh, we are going to uh, just offer to the Lord uh, part of what, uh, of what he has blessed us with. And how many would consider yourself blessed this morning? You're blessed this morning. God's taking care of you. Well, we're going to honor him this morning. Oh, yes. And, and one little yes. In, in the announcements, just want to let you know that for everyone that is here, you are all welcome to stay. We are having a lunch afterwards, and I believe it's what, soup? Is it right? Soup and sandwich lunch and dessert following. How many like dessert? I'm hoping they have apple pie, maybe cheesecake. I can sneak a piece. Sneak a piece when my wife isn't looking. Sneak a piece when my wife wasn't looking. Well, we're going to pray together. Let's pray together. And uh, as we receive these as these these gifts this morning that as we receive today's offering we are believing you for heaven open earth invaded storehouses unlocked miracles created dreams and visions angelic visitations declaration impartation and divine manifestations anointings giftings and calls positions and promotions provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. And amen as we contribute to that this morning. As we're receiving our, our uh, tithe and offering, I uh, just want to take this moment to, uh, to welcome Leanne Welk and her family. Uh, and uh, Leanne is uh, working at our district office. She is our children's uh, ministries specialist. And uh, so 
If we could welcome Leanne this morning, give her a hearty welcome. God bless you, Leanne. And I'll turn the microphone right All over. right. Thank you. Good morning. It's so great to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Uh, a, a children's leader can't come without a prop, right? <laughs> so I brought a couple of things, and I just have um, a few minutes to share with you um, my passion for children's ministries and uh, I wanted to thank for thank you for the invitation to come and just share today um, Pastor Stephen and Christiane and I met them in Banff and it was just such a privilege it was such a God thing wasn't it we ended up having coffee together and um, we even had my speaker from CP Summit come by Starbucks and I was calling him in because I saw the passion in these two um, four children and uh, I, I just love talking to people about children <laughs> and um, I just want to thank you uh, for that and also for Penny inviting me to come and I'm going to go and share with the children today. Um, you know, we, uh, we have lots of churches in the district and on behalf of the district we say um, thanks for having me come. We are here to help you as a congregation grow and so my area would be children's ministries. And you know, some churches, I'll tell you, some churches might only have one child right now. We have some really small churches, but if we could just get two children then, we would have multiplied, right? And then those two children become four, and then four become eight, and I'm not very good at math, so I'll just stop there, but <laughs> we can just keep going. And so I brought a little basket full of things here because um, I like gardening. Do you guys like gardening? Anybody? Yes? Gardening's great, and... Um, I, uh, I was kicking myself this morning because I was gathering my things, and you know what I forgot is I forgot to, to bring my real live plant. So Penny quickly found me this plant, so I appreciate that. And the thing was, though, is as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you worship and I'm listening to, to your heart and glorifying the Lord, and then I saw those little girls take the flags and start flagging over there. And I thought to myself, I, didn't, I, I can use a fake plant here because the real life of this church is in those children. Don't children just bring life into a church? They do. Amen. And so I love gardening um, in the physical, and we can use... Uh, my son was laughing at me because the other day I bought dirt like this, and he's like, Mom, we live on an acreage. Like, <laughs> But I was trying to say there's a lot of snow at my acreage too. But, you know, we have the dirt. We have uh, the seeds. We have to have the right tools to make gardening work. And we have to uh, water those little seeds so things will grow, and then they become larger, and we protect them because there's weeds, and there's pests, and there's things. And so I'm here to uh, tell you that, that we are like a garden, and we have to have the soil uh, our foundation in our church is being healthy. Sometimes we have to mend some things, change it up, add some things, maybe take away some things so that we can put those seeds into the soil and start to watch them grow. And, and children are like that. Can I confirm, I think I read that uh, Vegreville has about 5,000 people, like just your, your town, 5,000. So you think six? 56? Okay. <laughs> 56. So in 2016, it said that you had um, 910 children. 
between the ages of 0 to 14. That's almost a, th- I mean, so it's more than that now. So let's just say there's a thousand children here that need to hear about Jesus. And I want to encourage you and help you do that. So this morning, all I'm going to do, I mean, I could preach a whole message here, Pastor Stephen, but I won't because I'm going to go and have some time with the kids and we'll preach the word of God up there. But I want to give you um, an acronym to start having you start think about children's ministries and how important you are to children's ministries here in this local body. We want to grow your children's ministries. And so it's G-R-O-W. The Great Commission is for G. Anybody know the verses for Great Commission? Hey, you have to remember, I'm a children's pastor, so <laughs> I get lots of interaction with people. Anybody know it? Matthew 28, 19, and 20? Come on, don't be shy. Go and make dis- of every baptizing them, Father of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded, and I'll be with you until the end of the age. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. And it doesn't say, go and make disciples when they are 50. It doesn't say, go and make disciples when they're 14. It says, go and make disciples. And children are amazing disciples. So we want to, G is Great Commission. We want them to go. I like to say we have to go to grow. So that's what we have to do, go into our communities. R is for reach. We have to reach the children. Matthew 19, 14 says, uh, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Who do you think said that? Jesus said that. Don't let them stop coming to me. You probably are aware that the POC has the 414 initiative, and that is all about the window of time that children are most receptive to receiving the gospel and staying with their faith for the rest of their lives. Are you aware of that? Between the ages of 4 and 14. So I know for sure that we have a 1,000 kids here who are ready to hear the gospel. Oh is for open arms, open minds, open hearts, and open doors. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 5, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. That sink in for a second. Whoever welcomes a little child welcomes me. Children are very important to Jesus, and he wants our churches to open our arms, open our doors, our hearts and our minds, because you know what? Sometimes we have to maybe do something a little bit different than we've always done before. So we're going to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit to do something that he tells us to do so we can see those kids come to the Lord. And W is why. Why? It's because of little ones just like this who are so beautiful. I think her middle name is Joy. What was her first name? Evelyn. Evelyn Joy is why we do it. Now I'm going to be moved to tears just because of her. (laughs) But this is why. (laughs) Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We, We garden this spiritual garden because of the harvest. And in the world that we live, I don't have to tell you, 
it is different than it used to be. And it is more urgent than ever to reach our children for Christ. You want to, what's your name? <laughs> what's her name? Remy? Oh, Remy, you're beautiful too. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to share with you today. But here's the last little note I just want you to know is that children grow your church. We want all the seats filled. We want all the sanctuary. We want it to burst. And you're ready and positioned to grow. And so, once again, I just thank you that that you would allow me to come and just minister to your children. I know God's going to speak to their hearts today. And uh, I want to thank you as well because it's the participation of the body just to help um, we can't build the garden ourselves. We have to have some help. And so I want to uh, thank Penny personally because I met her several years ago, and I know her heart is for the children. And so if you can encourage her in any way, whether you can help out with with all the different pieces of children's ministry, I just encourage you to do that and pray for her. Pray for your pastors as they make decisions to, to grow a beautiful children's ministry here in Beggarville. God bless you. Thank you. have to agree with that. That's for sure. Praise the Lord. If you turn in your Bible this morning to uh, Nehemiah, if you have your Bible with you, if you have, uh, oh yes, we're going to, yeah, if we, yeah, before, before, uh, before Leanne takes the, the kids, could we, could we just, uh, could we bring the kids up? Could we do that? Could we just bring all the kids up just for a moment? And Ethan, if you could pass me that battery. much for the opportunity to bless these children right now. Jesus, you told the little children to come. You held them in your arms and you blessed them. And God, we know that here in Beggarville, you have something very special planned for this generation. And that, God, we want to tend to this garden. We want to support them. We want to protect them. And we want to to feed them, Lord, with the word of God. And we ask now, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will lead and guide us to make decisions so that this generation will rise up and follow you and they will become disciples of your name in this town. And Lord, that this church is going to grow and and make more disciples and and Lord, I just feel so strongly that it is through the children that you're going to do that. And we thank you now for the time we are about to have together, worshiping and loving on you and hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. And for those that remain, 
If we could turn into Nehemiah chapter 2 this morning, if you have your Bible or if you have a device. Uh, we, uh, we're blessed today with lots of technology to be able to access. You can go right online and, and get your Bible verses and all that. So Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you were with us, We've been, in, we've, been, we've been in the last, this will be the third week that we're into uh, the book in Nehemiah. And this morning, my ti- the title of my message is simply, Reality and Resolve. Reality and Resolve. And so, looking at verse 11, uh, Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. And I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And there were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And, um, and in verse 13 it says, By night I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. And then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I, as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles, the officials, or others who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. We're going to end right there. We're going to pray and we're going to ask, Lord, that you would come this morning as we've already invited your Holy Spirit. Uh, that God, that you would take this word this, today and that God, that you would, you would help us to see ourselves in the story. And that Father, you would help us to come to a place as Nehemiah did at the very end of this chapter. That God, though there be a reality, Lord, I pray that you would give us a resolve to push forward to accomplish that which you've called us to do. Lord, we ask that you'd bless your word to our hearts and us to your service in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. There were, uh, I don't know if you've heard this story before or not, maybe you have, but there were a couple of boys and they were twins and one was an incurable optimist and the other one was a pessimist. And so the parents were really worried about the extremes of their behavior and their attitude. And so they went and took the boys to see a psychologist. And so the psychologist observed them and, and decided uh, that he would take a course of action. And so he had uh, a room that was uh, filled with all kinds of toys that a boy would like to have. And, and uh, they put the pessimist in a, in a room and allowed him to enjoy life. And so they also had another room that was filled with horse manure. And so they put the optimist in the room with the horse manure. And they observed both of the boys through one-way mirrors. And the pessimist continued to be a pessimist, stating that he had no one to play with. All the toys that a boy could want, but he still had nobody to play with. And so they went and they looked on the optimist. And they were astounded that the optimist was over in this pile of manure, and he was just digging frantically. Digging frantically. And so... They said, what are you doing? He said, well, man, with this much manure in here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. Optimism. Optimism. Last week, 
last couple of weeks we've noted that Nehemiah was feeling a burden. We talked about that quite extensively. And that he had received the king's favor. We looked at that last week, his provision, his protection, and the call of God on his life to go into Jerusalem and begin to rebuild. But one of the things I want us to notice, number one this morning, and, and you'll see this as we're progressing through, and I'm going to do my very best to condense this message this morning just because of time. But the first thing I want us to no- notice here this morning is that once Nehemiah gets things set up and he goes into Jerusalem, the first thing that we discover is that there is a reality. There is a reality to it all. And again, if you look at verse 13, it says, By night I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down. Now this was in a day, of course, when cities had, uh, were, had fortifications. Walls were very, very normal. And it was a time when, when cities would depend on heavy walls for protection and, of course, for their, their preservation. So you'll notice that when Nehemiah goes in, and he goes and he examines this secretly, that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. No longer is it a walled city. No longer is there the protection. No longer is the ability to preserve. And, of course, it wasn't only the, the walls that were broken down, but it was also the gates that had been burned with fire. Gates that had been made of some of the finest materials now destroyed by the fire. And of course he goes on as he was going through and he was checking out everything out, doing his very secretive inspection. He goes on and he says that there was not enough room for my mount to get through. And the reason why there was not enough room is because there were stones that were everywhere. Gates were everywhere. There was probably all sorts of rubble and all sorts of overgrowth. Broken bricks, uh, beams that were partly burned, and grass and, and weeds and growing up through the streets. You can probably use your imagination and, and, and realize what it might have been like to go through a city that basically lays in ruin. And I don't know about you this morning, but if I were living there, if I were one of the remnant that was living there, wouldn't you kind of feel like, man, this is just dreary place to be? This is a dreary, hopeless place place to be. I don't know about you, but I would probably figure that they were pretty discouraged. Anybody ever have felt discouraged in your life before? You felt discouragement. Things seem to be spinning out of control. You can't get a handle on things. They were discouraged. I can imagine the faces, the looks on their faces, discouragement, depression. The cry was that we are in great affliction and reproach. And so discouragement had gripped the heart's of the people. And of course, the great majority of the citizens had been taken away into exile, and there's only a small group that was left still in the city. Their homes were destroyed, the businesses, things were left in ruins. You'll notice, as I mentioned before, the walls were broken down. And in a day when cities were fortified, again, serving for their protection and for their security against who? Against their enemies. And with the walls down, only remnant there, yet without security. How many understand when you don't have security in your life, you have anxiety? Would anybody agree with that this morning? It raises your anxiety levels. You feel like someone is pushing constantly against your chest. You're trying to get your breath. So here they are, dealing with anxiety, dealing with fear, Fear from intimidators, fear from imminent attacks. 
And folks, can I suggest this morning that that is what the enemy wants us to live in. He wants us to live in constant fear, constant anxiety, imminent fear, fear of uncertainty, fear of the future. Because how many understand that when you're living in fear, you're living in a constant state of perpetual shock. You don't know what to do next. You don't know what to do next. And we can relate to that in our post-9-11 world where acts of terrorism, school shootings, and so on and so forth are rampant in our news. So not only were the walls broken down, but there was, they were overrun with rubble from the past. And I like to take rubble and use a metaphor here and suggest that rubble may have been the negative experiences, experience, abuse of all kinds, offenses. How many understand that even ourselves, we deal with rubble in our lives? We deal with stuff. Amen? If anybody's lived long enough and you've got some history behind you, how many know that there's many of us that have received some hard knocks in life? There's been some bad things that have happened to us. There's been abuses. There have been offenses. Perhaps broken relationships. Unforgiveness gets into our hearts. Bitterness, shattered hopes, and shattered dreams. So they were overrun with the rubble of the past. And of course, another thing I had sort of alluded to was the overgrowth, the weeds and the bushes being covering over the paths and, and the streets and the roads. And so getting around the city would have been a little different than when things were the way it should be. And so direction might have been a little unclear, no sense of anticipation or expectation that things were going to get any better. Their vision, of course, for the future would be obscured. And how many know the Bible says that without a vision... People perish. So here they were with a sense of discouragement, the sense of hopelessness, the sense of despair. That was, folks, their reality. But can I suggest this morning that no matter the reality, no matter what this church has gone through, no matter what you have gone in, through in your life, I want to suggest this morning that it does not have to be your destiny. It might be your reality, but it doesn't have to be your destiny. It's just an episode. It's just a pericope in the story. But how many know the story isn't complete? There's more to be written. It's just an episode. You might be going through some hardships right now. You might be going through some trials right now. You might be seeing in your life the walls are down. You're wading through the rubble, and there's weeds and overgrowth. But again, I want you to know that might be your reality, but it's not your destiny. It's not the destiny that God has for your life. And so Nehemiah knowing that, Nehemiah knowing that he serves a good God, that he serves a God who owns it all. He serves a God who is all-powerful. He serves a God who is all-knowing, who wants to give us his favor, who wants to give us his blessing, who wants to give us security, who wants to give us whatever he has. Nehemiah issues a call. In verse 17 with me, if you'll notice, it says, He said to them, You see the trouble, that's the reality. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. But here's what he issues the call. Here it is, here it comes. He says, Come. There's an invitation he's extending, a call that says, let us. Notice it doesn't say, let me. It says, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be 
in disgrace. No longer in disgrace. You probably heard the story of four people that were in the church. And their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And so one time the church needed some help meeting its financial obligations. And everybody was asked to participate. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. And anybody could have done it. But do you know who did it? Nobody. And it ended up that anybody blamed somebody when nobody could have done what anybody did. Or anybody could have done. There we go. When the church grounds needed some work, somebody needed to mow the grass and take out the weeds. Somebody was asked to help. But somebody resented being called upon because anybody could have done it just as well. After all, it was really everybody's job. And in the end, the work was given to nobody and nobody got it done. And the process went on and on and whenever the task was needed to be done, nobody could be counted on to do it. Nobody visited the sick. Nobody gave liberally. Nobody shared their faith. In short, nobody was a very faithful church member. And finally, the day came when somebody left the church and took anybody and everybody with him. And guess who was left? Nobody. Nobody. It's interesting that Nehemiah issues a call. He doesn't say, come, come in so I can rebuild the walls. He says, no, come let us rebuild the walls. Have you ever noticed that when you see the word church, there's no I in church? No I in church. You'll notice that verse 17, he's using the plural, he's using us, he's using we. And yes, it began with an individual burden, but I want you to know it became a vision. It became a vision that required unity and cooperation. You know why so many churches fail to go on to their potential? It's because 20% are doing 80% of the work. That's the 20-80 rule. One time in a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channels. And so when he wouldn't do it, she threatened him with her fist. He says to this, he said, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? Asked Linus. She said, these five fingers, Linus, individually, they're nothing. But when you put them together into a single unit, he said, they are a weapon terrible to behold. Folks, that's what Nehemiah is setting out to do. How many know he can't do the work himself? How many know he can't rebuild the walls? He can't set in the gates. He can't clean up the streets. He can't make Jerusalem what Jerusalem was intended to be. So instead, what Nehemiah does is he has a plan. He surveys the trouble he, he begins to realize what it's going to take to accomplish it, and he issues a call, a call to unity, a call to say, here is, the, here is where we are, but here is where we want to go. This is not where we want to stay. We want to go on to bigger and better things. But guess what? To get there is going to take everybody pulling together. I remember one time I was watching the Detroit Red Wings. I, I was a Steve Eiserman fan. I'm a big Habs fan. That's my team. And they're doing the pit. They're, they are not doing very well this year. There is a mathematical pro- possibility. Possibility, I said. Not probability. Possibility they can make the playoffs. But I'm not counting on them. But I remember one time I was watching the Detroit Red Wings. 
And it was, a, it was a season when, man, they had all-stars on their team. They looked like what Edmonton Oilers used to look like. They had Steve Eiserman. They had Sergei Fedorov. They had Paul Coffey playing. And you know Paul Coffey, right? Because you in Oilers territory here. They had Brett Hall. A guy that was scoring over 60 goals, they had it made. Had it made in the shade. They had all kinds of talent. All kinds of gifting. And yet there was a Cinderella team led by Bob Gainey, the head coach, the Minnesota North Stars. And they had a bunch of nobodies on the team. They were, none of them were stars. They might have thought they were North Stars, but they weren't no stars at all. And Bob Gainey, and the Minnesota North Stars, because they just squeaked in, by the way, that year. Detroit was a heavy favorite. And Minnesota just squeaked in. And guess what they did? They surprised everybody. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And can I tell you the reason why? Thank you for asking. It was simply because of teamwork. Folks, I want to encourage you. If you want to know about teamwork... Tune into the children's cartoon, Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder. Teamwork. And there's another one I think it's called, uh, has these little animals on it. Wonder Pets. Wonder Pets. You ever watch Wonder Pets? I've watched my fair, fair share of Wonder Pets. Wonder Pets will save the day, right? And the reason why the Wonder Pets would save the day is because the Wonder Pets understood that it was going to be teamwork. What's going to work? Teamwork. That was a motto, teamwork. And that's the reason why Minnesota went all the way to the cup. But here was the Detroit Red Wings. They had Steve Osherman. They had Sergey Fedorov. They had Paul Coffey. They had Brett Hull. What was wrong with them? Well, I'll tell you what was wrong with them. Reports came out of the dressing room that there was problems with egos. There was problems with pride. They couldn't get along with each other. They wouldn't cooperate. They had all the talent. They had all the giftings. No cooperation. And yet the stars worked together. And when they worked together, they got the job done. How many know that's what it's going to take? When we play as a team, when we come around a goal, a purpose, a vision, we've been singing about it this morning, folks. We've been singing about the goal this morning. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but when we get into some of our songs, we're talking about, Lord, it's all for your glory. We want to see Jesus glorified. We want to see Jesus be famous in this town. We want to see people come to know him. Paul said that his desire was to know him and to make him known. See, we want God to be glorified in our town. And how many know that when, you, when we are glorifying God, it's going to be coming around unity, common heart and common purpose. That's what Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 2. He, he said to them, if you want to be like Jesus, you need to come together around the common purpose and have the mind of Christ. Unity. Common goals, common vision. To glorify God. I don't know about you this morning. But I don't want to see people living in fear and anxiety. I don't want to see people, people contemplating suicide. I want them to understand that there is hope. 
and it's not in me, it's not in you, but it's in who we have been sent by to represent and to tell them about proclamation, amen? How many understand our job to glorify God is going to take this? It's going to take us representing Him well, telling others about Him. That's proclamation. But it's also going to be demonstration. We need to show them the hope that we have in Christ. For Nehemiah, one of the things that would happen is when the walls and the gates were restored is that they would no longer be in disgrace. They would no longer have a loss of honor, respect, reputation, or shame. So two things I've mentioned this morning, reality, the call, and then we're coming to resolve. Third point, resolve. Someone asked Paul Harvey, the journalist and the radio commentator, what was the secret of his success? And he simply said this, he said that when I get down, he said, when I fall down, I get up. When I fall down, I get up. In the 92 Summer Olympics, a sprinter by the name of Gail Devers was the clear leader in the 100-meter hurdle, but tripped over the very last barrier. And she agonizingly pulled herself up to her knees, and she crawled the last five meters. She finished fifth in the race, but she still finished. Even more heartrending was the 400-meter semifinal. It was a British runner, and his name was Derek Redmond. And in that race, he tore a hamstring, and he fell on the track, and he struggled to get back up. He, tried, he, he was hobbling along, determined to complete the race. And so his father, seeing him struggle, ran out to the track off from off the stands and helped him because he wanted his son to get to the finish line. They crossed the finish line. They limped, crossed the line together. He leaned on his father. I don't know if you know anything about Beethoven, but how many know he was a musical genius? Beethoven was a genius. But some people don't realize the adversity that he faced. When he was in his 20s, he began to lose his hearing. And on one occasion, he said that he felt his fingers were becoming thick. And his hearing problem haunted him into his middle of his life. So that by the time he reached his 50s, he was completely deaf. But he refused to give up. He was once overheard shouting at the top of his voice, I will take life by the throat. And many of his biographers said the only reason he was able to remain productive so long was because Beethoven was determined. Harvey, how did Harvey have success? Harvey kept getting back up. How about Redmond? He leaned on his family for the finish. And Beethoven, he would not quit. And that's how they were able to be successful. But how many know that in the quest to make things happen, that there are enemies that want to stop us from accomplishing God's will? There are enemies. You see, for Paul Har Harvey, he's, it was really himself was his own worst enemy or could have been his own worst enemy if he hadn't had the resolve to keep on getting back up. For the runner, it was an injury that caused a lot of pain. And folks, there are folks today that they've got pain that's happened. It could be physical pain. It could be pain because of a hurt in the past. And sometimes we allow those pains to keep us from trying again. 
For Beethoven, it was hearing loss that became his enemy. But they conquered all of them through determination. They all had resolve. I'm going to call our worship team to come back as we're finishing up here. They all had resolve. Now, in the story of Nehemiah, we know that there were enemies. If you keep reading further, there was Sanballat the Horonite. There was Tobiah the servant, the, Anna, the, and the Ammonite. And basically, those enemies, those enemies, if I can just highlight this part, these, they were enemies of Israel and the God of Israel, and they wanted Nehemiah to fail because they, wanted, they believed that if we can get Nehemiah to fail, it will show the defeat of their God. Well, can I challenge us this morning? Can I suggest this morning that the devil, the enemy of our soul, he does not want us to succeed. He does not want us to rebuild the walls. He does not want us to put and establish the gates. He does not want us to get the city, so to speak, into the place of its former glory. No, you know why? Because it is a black eye to the church, to Jesus, to God. He wants to keep us where we're at. He doesn't want this church to continue to grow and thrive. He doesn't want us to reach new people for Jesus. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to stay stationed where we're at. He doesn't want us to go on to our God-given destiny. He doesn't want you to go on to your God-given destiny. How many know that God has made you for a purpose? And folks, only, only the one who has made you know why you're here and what you're for. And you discover that in relationship with him. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to know you're missing out on the best relationship you could ever have. Because when you know your creator and you have a relationship with your creator, you know why you're here. You know what life is all about. All of a sudden, it begins to make sense because he has a plan and a destiny for you. But there is also an enemy who wants to steal that destiny. And there are enemies. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I want to I I suggest this morning that God wants to give us success. This is what Nehemiah says. He says, the God of heaven will give us success we, his servants, will start rebuilding. But he says to his enemies, I love this part, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim to, or historic right to it. How many believe this morning God wants to give us success? He wants to give us his favor. He wants to give us his power. He wants us to have purpose. And again, it... You might be in a situation where you say, Pastor Steve, you know, my life, the walls are down. In my life right now, there's rubble. You don't know where I've been. It's really tough, but I want you to know that is not the end of the story. It's just a scene in the story of your life. It's just an episode. It's not the whole series. There's more to be written. And if you've got, still got breath in your lungs and you've still got a beat in your chest, God is not finished with you and he's not finished with this church. 
So the question is this, what are we going to do about the reality? Are we just going to wallow and oh no, oh no. Look at the problems, and look at the this, and the look at the rubble, and look at that. And Oh no, no, Nehemiah comes in and he says, no, no, listen. I'm here for a reason, and the reason is come, come. This is the end of the day. Come, let us rebuild. Could we stand to our feet this morning? Maybe some of you here are saying that your life is in shambles, but I want you to know that God can rebuild it. If we take this on a personal note, God can rebuild it. You know what God loves to do? God loves to flip lives. He loves to find lives that, it's like these people on these TV shows and they renovate houses. They'll go in and they'll find some of the worst places. Some of the places got mold and it's an old place and the floors are bad and there's cracks in the foundation. And you know what they love to do? They love to go in and get these houses and they see the potential that's there. I can't see it, but they have this gift that they can see something that's not even there. I want you to know that God can see what's not there. He can see what you can be. He can see what you can become. He wants you to become all that he's created you to be. And folks, corporately, he wants this church to be all that he's created it to be. The question is, what are we going to do about the reality? Are we going to have a resolve? Are we going to say, like Paul Harvey, when I fall down, I keep getting back up? Oh, but pastor, I got a limp. I got a pulled spiritual hamstring. Well, guess what? There's people that can come out of the stands, so to speak, and can come alongside of you and say, guess what? You might have a pulled hamstring, but we're going to cross the finish line together. For Beethoven, he may have developed a handicap, but he said, I'm going to take life by the throat. Nehemiah said, God will grant us success. So what's it going to be this morning? What's it going to be? Are we going to wallow in the reality or are we going to have a resolve? This is we're going to go on to greater things with our Lord. Greater things. Jesus said, greater things you will do in my name. Are you kidding me, Jesus? No. Greater things. Why? Because the same resources that I ministered under, you can have it too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Hallelujah. That's my condensed version. Could we sing that song this morning? Old for new. Old for new. Could we put the words on the screen? Old for new. What was torn, you mend again. You redesign the tattered thread, tattered thread by thread. You take the broken and restore it. You and you rebuild and you make whole. Folks, that's the message this morning. And I prayers that you have received it today. You've received it. How many would say I've received it? I've received it now. We need to walk it out in faith. Amen. We need to walk it out in faith. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together. Let's let's, let's sing this as our song of resolution that we have resolved we have resolved 
that we know our God can rebuild. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise His name. Jesus. What was torn your mind again? Praise His name. Praise His name. You redesigned the tattered thread by thread. You took the broken and destroyed. to ride. 
today would say, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to know this God that you're talking about. I want him to come into my life. My life is not where I want it to be. My life, there's problems. There's addictions. There's fear, anxiety. There's all sorts of things going on in my life. And and I want to know this Jesus that can that can forgive that can heal, that can deliver, that can make me new. Maybe there's someone here this morning and that's your heart. That's what you're longing for. And with every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment, if if you could just raise a hand, I just want to to be able to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. So anyone, say, Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for me. I got things going on in my life and I know that, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Pray for me. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see that hand go up. I see. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Could we all pray together for those that have lifted their hands that God, that you would come into their lives in such a powerful way that they will sense your presence. They will sense your love. They will sense... Your willingness to, your goodness, your willingness to forgive and to wash clean and to make them who you want them to become. That you are inviting them into fellowship with you. You are inviting them into the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that God, if, if there's things that are going on in our lives, that you will begin that work of renovation today. Today is a new day. Today is the day of rebuilding. Today is the day of rebuilding. Today is the beginning of new things. Hallelujah. 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 And if you're here and you, you folks, you, I, I gave my life to Jesus beside my bed when I was 12 years old. I didn't do it in the church service, but you can do it wherever you're at. I've heard people in a deer blind. I've heard people at the kitchen sink. But if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, All you need to do is say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. I invite your spirit to come in and live within me. Make me new today. Make me new. By faith, Receive. I receive you. And I want to live for you, and I want to know you, and I want to grow in my knowledge of you, and I want to walk the way you want me to, in, in, the way I, you want me to live. And I believe that if you reach out to Jesus, He reaches out to you. Just that simple. 
In fact, he's reaching out to you now. And so, Lord, we confess our sins. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing. We ask that the power of the cross would be applied to our hearts and our lives right now. And that, God, that today would be the beginning of a brand new day of relationship and walking with you. I receive you by faith. I confess you as my Savior, as my Lord, as my God, as my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody here pray that prayer for the very first time? Anybody? Anybody? Lift a hand. If Anybody? 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 Some of you might be shy, but Lord, we just thank you for what you have accomplished here today. As we invite the ushers to come, as we partake of communion in celebration of what the Lord does in our lives, the new relationship that we have with him. receive the the grape juice and the the cracker that represents the body and the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. We thank you, Lord, for bringing people from all walks of life, all stations of life, and you bring them and you knit them together by your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you for that fellowship, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we sing that song as they receive that you are you are worthy of it all? You are worthy of it all. remember and as we worship and as we celebrate what God has done for us. Hallelujah.
in the Corinthians, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask Brother Lincoln. Lincoln, would you ask God to bless this portion of our service? Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for us. We, we declare we're a needy people. We need you. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken. It says you were bruised for our iniquities. Father, minister to to the sin, the hidden sin that's in our lives. And thank you for being broken that we can be healed. Thank you for your broken body. Let's take it together. supper. He took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask Sister Sandy, Sandy Tillotson, would you, would you pray over this portion? Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that flowed out and it flowed all over Vegreville. It flowed all over our lives. Father, thank you for the life that poured out at that time. Father, thank you that that life is available to us. I thank you, Lord, for the absolute power that flowed out toward us. Jesus, you gave all, you gave it all, and we give you honor today. We honor and glorify your name as we meet together and remember how your blood flowed for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's drink together. We thank you, Lord. 
Paul finishes, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We've made a statement this morning. We've made a statement that we need you, Lord. We've also made a statement that as we shared, we shared in the in communion today that God that you have brought together a group of people and fitted them as a local expression of your body and so Lord may we as Nehemiah wanted to do against the enemy the enemy wanted to show the defeat of their God of the God of Israel our God but Lord you put it in Nehemiah's heart to say that God will grant us success. And Lord, we want to see success because we want to see your glory. Your glory to cover over this community. So Lord, together as we are together, I pray, Father, that this communion will not just be about an individual connection with you, but Lord, we will see it as a corporate unity as a corporate experience and that God this is what you want us to do you want us to fellowship together but together you want us to go on to do what you have called us to do and as Nehemiah realized he couldn't do it on his own it required the team so it's come let us come let us Lord may we hear that call today and may Lord may we with resolve in our hearts go forward into the destiny that you have And so, Lord, we anticipate and expect great things for you to accomplish. And we thank you, Lord, for in advance. In Jesus' name we ask and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Praise his name. Praise his name. God bless you this morning. I trust that you experienced the presence of God in the worship. I trust that you were encouraged in the message this morning. And everyone, everyone, together, welcome to stay and for soup, for sandwich. We'd love for everyone to be able to stay and uh, eat together, fellowship together. God bless you. Thank you so much. And uh, so we're just going to, we're dismissed to the tables. So before we go, Lord, bless our food that's been prepared. Those that have made it, prepared it, and bless us, Lord, as we receive it, to nourish our bodies, to strengthen us for your service. In Jesus' name, amen.